Hi folks, welcome to Healthy Alternatives uh, here on uh, Your Quality of Life Matters. Today I'm very excited to have Nathaniel Evans on the show. He is the CEO of I Am The Data, an organization designed to create awareness around data and how it is being used within our communities. You're also an advocate that worked on the Close Rikers Island campaign, as well as others to address social justice. Welcome, Nathan. Oh, Nathaniel, I should say. Thanks for having me. I'm actually happy to be here. Um, Tell me a little yeah. bit about yourself, your story, and how did <laughs> you become I Am The Data? Oh, my story. All right, so a little bit about myself is basically, I grew up in uh, Best Star, Brooklyn, and um, in that time period, it was a lot of fending for myself and actually creating my own realities for myself. And in that time period, I see myself a lot, protecting a lot of my friends that I've been into the streets with. Always like, you know, being an advocate or, you know, basically squashing, you know, a lot of, you know, harmful things are taking place in the community. So I was really looked at, at a lot as, as a peacemaker uh, amongst uh, people in the community. My lifestyle was also a criminal lifestyle when I was growing up, but I also did a lot of entrepreneurship. So like I packed bags, I, you know, I, you know, I helped people, you know, on laundry mats and you know, supermarkets, and I did other little things to keep myself afloat. Being I didn't have uh, any male counterparts, any male figures to direct me or give me any type of uh, structure. So that time frame actually led me into the Department of Corrections. And from interacting with the Department of Corrections, I actually started realizing um, that, that I really do something wrong in society, right? That I really set out to create a criminality for myself. You know, when I came to awareness, was it something like I said, you know, I see righteousness, I see wickedness, let me just do wickedness all the way through. You know, or was it something that was actually set up for me to actually walk into in the first place? And as I started going to the prison systems, a lot of things took place. So it was one incident that took place with me. Um, actually, I believe created I Am A Data way before it was even created. I was in Midstate Correctional Facility. The Midstate Correctional Facility is a facility that basically caters to mental health development. Mm. So 90% of the people that's in Midstate Correctional Facility are on some mental health drugs. So, Interacting with that population, you get to see that you're not really able to connect with other brothers, other men, to actually help them channel the experiences of conservation, or basically do what the conservation says that they're not doing, which is actually being members of society. So in conservation, it's supposed to prepare you to be a member of society. It's not supposed to cause a, you know, outskirts. You know, it's not supposed to ostracize you from society. It's supposed to basically incorporate you into society. And I say that to say this. So I did a lot of teaching when I was in the prison, this state particularly. I did, um, I taught phase one, which is actually an introduction into the prison. I taught phase two, which is actually socialization of the prison environment, as well as connecting with society. And I also taught phase three, which is basically reintroduction back into society. So wow. basically dealing with resume writing, um, dress codes, you know, vernacular interviewing processes. Remember I was doing this and I was already incarcerated for over eight years. 
So I really had no real direct experience with the outside world as far as like how they really work and what they're really doing. But this is one of my obligations to teach my fellow peers to actually do this because staff doesn't teach staff to train peers. They teach the peers to teach peers. The staff are basically like overseers in this whole process. They don't in, in, interact or engage with the population because they're above the population. So, so let me ask you, uh, Nathaniel, for those that are not so familiar with the uh, prison system, is that what you call re-entry talks? That's re-entry talks. That's part of re-entry talks as well. That's correct. You know, it it. basically, so, so it basically re-entry talk shows you basically what's really taking place in the prison system. You know, where you're sitting here basically saying, you know, this is going to happen in society, these people be released or not. In order for you to say that, you have to have a perception of what's actually taking place in the prison system. If you don't know what's taking place, there's no way to prepare yourself for it. You know, you can't create something or prepare yourself for something that you don't know what's coming or how it's even developed, right? So according to the prison system, I, I went to prison because I created a criminal act and I'm supposed to be uh, rehabilitated back according to society, right? Okay. Yeah. So I remember one day I was in the mess hall or where they feed us at, where they basically call it the mess hall. And I was, I was leaving, after I finished eating, I was walking to the front of the garbage to dump my tray, because it's like a cattle-like process. There's a whole bunch of people in one room, with a whole bunch of tables and chairs, and one window where they serve you food. So basically a whole bunch of people in there, you know, have to follow the same routine in order to, you know, dump their food. Like, it's not like I'm in a restaurant, I can get it when I want to. It has, everything is strategized. Table one, get up. Table two, get up. Table four, get up. So everything is structured and strategized. Mm -hmm. So I actually got up, went to the front, and I don't know if I was paying attention or not, but me and this guy wound up clashing, you know, clashing, and his both our you know, trays dropped. And I and I started, I picked my stuff, but then I started picking up the other guy's stuff too because I know I was partly responsible. So the officer asked me, what are you doing? I said, well, you know, I dropped his food and I'm hoping to pick it up. The officer said, you're not here for him. You're only here for you. Hmm. So I asked the officer, I said, well, I thought I was here because for rehabilitative purposes. So I can't be rehabilitated if I don't work with people that's in the same place with me and I don't show common courtesy, I don't show love, I don't show respect. It's impossible for me being rehabilitated rehabilitated to get to the point where I'm back in society and now I'm treating people with a purpose when I can't treat people with a purpose that, I, that I'm incarcerated with. Good for you. What did he say to that? He was just basically like, you know, get your stuff and move on, <laughs> right? Where it basically shows that the concept that surrounds the prison system, he hasn't digested. And it's not just him, it's many others that go into the position for growth and development purposes. The purpose of incarceration is to sustain and build life. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of it. It has no other purpose. Now, if you take people out of society because they committed murders, once again, it's to sustain and build life. So which okay. means he's no longer out there. He can't kill nobody anymore because he's no longer out there. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. When you get into Department of Corrections, Society is saying, oh my God, we're so safe now. And then took this guy out the streets. We don't really have nothing to worry about anymore. You know, now I can walk to the corner store without somebody robbing me or hitting me inside the head, anything like that. 
And then this person's in prison and they're being instructed on how to basically be anti-social yeah. amongst one another, but then had to come home and be socialized. That doesn't you know, make sense, it, does it? It, does, it doesn't make any sense, right? If you don't want me to do this here, I can't do it over there either. You know, if me and a man is arguing, we supposed to basically go to a, a place, a forum where we can actually have peace and understanding what the argument is pertaining to and what is the outcome of this argument? You know, do we want to get more time? Do we want to establish a better friendship? You know, do we want to go to the box? You know, do we want to actually cause a physical harm against each other? According to rehabilitative purposes or the structure of incarceration, it's supposed to be for to sit down and talk and come to a real understanding as men so we can develop dealing with conflict. So we catch conflict when we release from prison, we'll be able to know how to interact with it. Because I also taught ART programs, which is aggression, repla aggression replacement training, basically pertaining to violence. Teach men how to recognize violence, how to channel it, how to sense it, and how to use it to their embedment instead of their demise. Good. So what's your solution to improve the correctional system? So the correctional system has to pertain to society as a whole. What does society look like? Why are we here? And what can we do for society? Not the other way around as the Department of Correction has taken on a full body of itself, right? It stands alone. Nobody can go against it. Nobody can uproot it. Nobody even have access to it as you saw in the times that they had people getting killed in prisons and the FBI agents took many, many, many years to even access to prisons, even though they heard reports that lives are being taken inside these prisons. Right? So the prison system has turned into a private institution, where it's actually supposed to be a public institution for the welfare of the public. Yeah. For the public to actually see what it is. But also, we talked about many, many years ago, we talked about the Department of Corrections and focused on their medical records. Mm -hmm. So they had a big thing where they didn't want to release the medical records. So there's no transparency when you come to the Department of Corrections. And that's one of the bigger issues with the Department of Corrections that they're able to do whatever they want to do without the input of society, with societies that want to actually brought these people there to them in the first place. Oh, wow. So it defeats its own purpose. What do you see as the ideal purpose of a prison system? From what I've been seeing, I've been seeing economics. Economic? I've been seeing a lot of economics, even when I, I used to teach um, criminalization while I was in the Department of Corrections. And um, one of the things I saw with criminalization is that they also have, they already have a projection of what type of crime is going to be committed and what frame they're going to be committed and how much time is going to be associated to those crimes being committed before they even committed. Wow. So it reminds me, of, reminds me of that movie with Tom Cruise, Minority Report, where he was able to tell the future before it happened. He went and locked the person up. Wow. So how can that be solved? It all goes back to what's the foundation Department of Corrections? Yeah. If the foundation is economics, then economics has to be uprooted because the foundation of Department of Corrections is not economics, it's quality of life and the preservation of life. Yeah. 
If those two components are not basically put at the forefront, the Department of Corrections is going to continue to do an injustice to this generation, as well as the many other generations that come after us. Yeah. So what's your take as somebody that has been inside about people that uh, are really dangerous? Do you know uh, of people or have you met people that you would consider not rehabilitable, not being able to go out to society? Definitely. I've been, I've been, I've been in Clinton, Danamora, you know, which is a, a super max, uh, basically maximum prison. I was in Clinton, Danamora at 16 years old. Wow. I had, I had a two to six, two years to six years when I was in Clinton, Danamora. The minimum time for basically the, the average time for people in Clinton, Danamora is basically 25 to life. Wow. So I was. How did you get in there at 16? That seems to be draconic. I, I don't know. I, ha I had a temp robbery case. Um, I didn't have like any serious um, offense. I didn't have a gun charge or anything like that. I just had a temp robbery case. I kept going to different mediums, uh, media facilities, and in those facilities, you know, I had to protect myself in those facilities. Um, and I wound up going to a place called Green Correction Facility. Um, the men tried to stab me up because it was New Year. They were doing a New Year celebration. Mm -hmm. So when the ball dropped, they started stabbing people and cutting people when the ball dropped. I wound up getting caught up in that situation where I was the victim. I had no weapons. I had anything. I was a victim. And I was, I was only there for one day. And then a black sergeant came to me and told me that it was my fault that that took place in his facility and I'm going to be penalized for it. I got no tickets. I never got written up for any offenses or anything like that. They even show for even being trans transferred from one jail to the next. It just took place. Next thing I know, I'm in Clinton, Danamora. You know, these men come to me, they got life. They got a hundred years. They got 50 years. They ask me how much time I got, where I'm from, what I'm doing. And I'm up there, I'm watching men kill each other. I'm seeing men raping each other. You know, I'm hearing police beating men till they cry for their mothers, right? I'm a young man at 16 years old and I'm experienced in a world I've never experienced before, like yeah. ever. Like no one introduces to me on no level. I could never been prepared for this reality that's actually taking place. It would be traumatic, wouldn't it? Very traumatic, very traumatic. And now to leave out of there, you know, with no education other than basically a school of barbarians. You know, you know, it's not saying it's not professionals up there, yes, but the professionals up there are hitting, you know what I'm saying, under all that garbage, you know what I'm saying, that's on top of them, you know what I'm saying, which is the violence, the drugs, um, what you would say, like the uh, prison politics and co prison cultures that you have to follow, even though. You never knew about a prison culture until you got into the prison. Now, all of a sudden, you have to follow this weird culture, coaches from your peers, but also from, from staff, you know. And from what I've been seeing, too, Department of Correction is dealing with people within and without. How did you get out of there? Huh. I, I, met, a, I met a guy. I, I fought a couple of times. Some people, I fought like two times. And I met a guy, he was in there for a long time. 
and he took a liking to you. And from there, nobody else messed with me. You know, because he saw I was going to hold my own and take care of myself. So he also made sure that people knew that I was his friend and people didn't mess with me no more after that. Mm. You know, and it was an eye opener because I know like right before I left out, a guy was leaving with me and he had killed somebody else for his friend the day, the day before he was leaving. You know, and, and I answered your question, like, are all men that's um, projected to come home are responsible enough to be in society, you know, to reenact with society and to cultivate society where it's supposed to be, right? The answer to that question from the incident I had in Clinton is a no, because mm-hmm. this man did all this time, he's about to be released. His friend came in and said he needed him to help him kill someone, and he actually did it, right? And we're all at the front gate about to be released, and they come and put him in handcuffs again and take him back into the prison. Mm. And we're looking at him like, what the hell? What, 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 what happened? And we found out what he did, and we're shocked. We're yeah. totally shocked. You know, and that Gacy showed that's yes, it's a failure to that person. That's the question. That's without a doubt. Yeah. But it's also a failure to the system. Yeah. Right? Like, what would cause you to still think in this way when you're about to be released? If you actually came un- in this place for rehabilitative purposes, hmm. how is it possible that the first thought that will come to you will be to your self harm if you was actually being rehabilitated within the prison structure? Yeah. Meaning what? Meaning you was reading books. You know I'm saying you were writing books. You were reading poems. You were writing poems. He was connected to um, college programs. You know, he was connected to phase one, phase two, phase three, ART. You were teaching these things. You incorporated these things. You mastered these things, right? Um, Department of Correction provided free transportation um, for families and friends to basically increase socialization from the inside, from without, to make sure that there is no social gap between these different parties. So when they actually mm-hmm. come home, the person that doesn't feel like they ostracized from the family actually felt like they would always connect to the family and that disconnect never took place, mm. right? Department of Corrections also charge you money for phone calls where the phone was not free, which actually caused another economical expense against the friends and families that actually trying to connect, they connected to the individual that has been incarcerated because the individual went against social norms mm. and social laws. So how does this relate to social justice? How can that be improved? So it's about making sure that we're here on the same page. Basically saying, you know, you're a correction officer, that's cool. I have I have correction officers that I was friends with, you know what or not. Close friends. Yeah. You know, while I was in prison, we were very close. And we talked about things that matter. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of correction officers say, you know, to be honest with you, man, I almost got locked up a couple of times, but I slipped a bullet, you know? And then I wound up taking the test. And next thing you know, I work for the Department of Corrections. And it makes it seem like I'm a righteous person. Like I always did righteous. Like I never, I never did any harm or, or any harm in the world or towards anybody. And correction officers said, well, that's a lie. I done had fights. I done stole things. You know, I done gotten involved in activities I wasn't supposed to get involved with. You know, some of my friends that got locked up, but I didn't. I was able to escape traps and things of that nature. 
And some of these men and women say, you know what? I'm not here to judge, you know what I mean? I'm here to help, you know what I'm saying? Move people forward because I could also be in the same trap. Mm-hmm. The big I and little you concept that they have attained into society in the prison system basically has to be annihilated. The prison so, system cannot believe that it's above the social justice of the people to preserve its own social justice. Mm-hmm. And what is, what is the social justice of the prison system? What social justice that the prison system preserves? The social justice that the prison system preserves is the building of its communities. So to wrap it up, what would be one thing you would tell a corrections officer to heed, and what would be one thing you would tell a young person that is on the path to jail, just like you were when you were young, to do yeah. to get not in that situation? Mm. So for a correction officer, I would say this. I will actually say the correction officer to keep the end in mind. That's basically what I would say to him. To keep the end in mind, to understand that we are all in this together. We're all going through a process. To also know that you have an end as well. You also have a path as well that you do not know. As many of us that go into the prison system, we did not set out for this path. We did not know this path was here. And we have no real education in what the prison system consists of because leaders don't come into the school and talk about the prison systems. They don't take pictures of the prison systems. They don't map out the prison systems. So you have no idea about these things until you actually get there. So mm-hmm. the, the correction officer needs to know to keep the end in mind. And I say this to say this, I've seen a lot of correction officers cause harm just because they had the power to do so. Mm-hmm. Not because it was righteous for them to do so, but just because they had the power to do so. Wow. By them causing that type of harm, understand that that harm they're causing is going to come back to them. Yeah. So they need to keep the end in mind. They need to focus on what the system is pertaining to, which is the socialization of society so we can actually live you know, good and well together. Because mm-hmm. we only have like a hundred year lifespan. So there's no reason why you should be actually killing each other and doing all the weird stuff against each other. Because we don't even live that long to even be enjoying some of the dangerous things that we do against each other. Yeah, I, I, I can see that. And what would you tell a young person that's on its and way? I tell the, and I tell a young person to understand that the prison system is not for his making. It's not for his development. He's not going to grow and prosper from the prison system. It's not going to give him a different badge of honor. You know, it's not going to preserve him to make him seem like he's more wiser or greater by going down his path. Understand that the prison system against the youth is a social burden against them. It has been set up as a social burden, and it will continue to be a social burden until policies are actually changed around the incorporation of what prisons consist of and what is a true relationship with society. Wow, those are powerful words, Nathaniel, and I thank you so much for being on the show today. When you combine modern science, ancient wisdom, nature experience and love, magic happens. I'm Dr. Christine Sauer, physician, naturopath, coach, human. It feels like magic to my clients and their lives are transformed through the skills combination of natural and human sciences, ancient philosophies, and caring human-to-human interaction. Discover this kind of modern wizardry and let's prepare powerful healing potions together. Come and enter our wonderful world of wellness.